0: To see examples of what we talk about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome, everyone, to Two Dimension Podcast,
1: the comic book podcast with no direction.
0: what's up everybody you know that song you know this voice it's your boy rook joining me as always with utter delight is mr don moore hello <laughs> and our guest this evening is the one and only andre owens hello hello thanks for having me oh man i am excited to talk to you uh you oh, cool. Know, we, we got we got the email asking about if we would be interested in talking to you about bovine league and (laughs) i immediately was like what is this
2: oh this looks
0: cool okay totally want to talk to this guy right on so the project the project is coming out august
3: 1st august 1st yeah so we got a kickstarter for bovine league number two coming out august 1st and then bovine league number two it continues the adventures of the bovine league where genetically altered superpowered cows from switzerland so they're on a mission to find a stolen cosmic udder in the four teats of matter. So, so they must yes. go across the, the globe to uh, recover these objects. They're, they're pursuing this uh, mad cow named Nandi. Now, Nandi's actually a real cow from uh, Indian uh, mythology. He's like Lord yeah. Shiva's personal uh, uh, bodyguard cow. But in my universe, Nandi gets sick of taking care of Lord Shiva and decides he wants power for himself. So, okay. So Man. the Bhutan they must are out to stop him. Man,
0: you know, uh, looking at the artwork, we've got such colorful, oh. interesting characters. And, I mean, it just – talk to us about where this idea came from.
3: Okay. Well, you know, it's really interesting. So, you know, well, you know how it is. As a creative person, you get, you know, uh, inspiration from anywhere. You know what I mean? So it can come from, what, you know, looking at a flower one day and be like, oh, my gosh, flower lady or whatever. So this bovine league came from – I was on vacation in Switzerland about – a lot two decades ago, two twenty, you know, early two thousands, and um, you know, I was out there with my ex-wife and her family, and we were having a good time, and I was buying different things, you know, because I just, you know, I'd never been to Switzerland, so I bought this coffee mug, and on the coffee mug, it had every canton or state, um, within Switzerland represented, you know, like Geneva, Zurich, you know, all these different places, and it had a cow representing each each state, you know, each canton, and then there was the the canton's colors like the flag on the cow, so you know, I, you know. Didn't think anything of it i bought my mug i come back here years later i'm hanging out drinking coffee one day and i look at it and i go like hey that will be a good idea <laughs> so it really came from uh, literally from a coffee mug and then i uh, decided to create the characters from there so it was really so inspiration like i said it can come from anywhere
0: that's that is that is awesome i love that the inspiration comes from something as simplistic as the coffee
3: mug making you remember oh that was an awesome yeah oh idea Right. That's great, man. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and, and and like you said, the artwork, you know, the artist is a guy named Christian Alaminos. He's an artist I've worked with on other stuff, other comics I've written. Uh, he's from Argentina, and uh, the guy's just a fantastic artist, you know. And he and we're, we worked so in simpatico about, you know, what he what you know what I want. He can answer so well, and and like you said, it's so colorful and beautiful. It's it's just it's he does everything I want for a book.
0: Yeah yeah so like one of the big draws for me uh i remember power pachyderms oh right and like i, I looked at this and i was like this is like a cooler version of that <laughs> <laughs> which is saying a lot because i love power pachyderms back right. in the day you know i was probably i don't know that was what uh in the 80s i think that came yeah, it out was. Yeah, exactly. so i was a kid uh like so looking at this i'm like this is so reminiscent. Uh, but yet so much more so much more fantastic I you know uh, just such a cool idea you know the so on you're getting ready to do the Kickstarter again right the, the first issue uh, came through for you you've done a bunch of different kickstarters though
3: is what I'm seeing yeah I've done um I've tried I've tried this was my seventh Kickstarter that I attempted I've had three that were successful um bovine league number one. Uh, Sisters of Power, number one, which is probably my most successful Kickstarter, and then um, I did one last year for a book I did, for, sort of like, this book called Omega Chronicles, is a graphic novel, 230 pages, and I've been working on it for over 20 years, so um, I did a Kickstarter for that just to you know, find, uh, find customers because I had most of the artwork done for that because I've been working on it for so long. So I you know, ran a Kickstarter for that, now that was successful. So yeah, I've had a few that are successful. I'm hoping this Bovine League 2 will you know may be also successful because I'm really excited to get the story out here you know to everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, if I'm seeing correct,
3: Bo- Bovine League also showed up in some other stuff that you worked on before. Well, Bovine League, there's another book called Hero Unlimited one shot. It's a book I do. Uh, my company's called Hero Unlimited. H I R O Unlimited one shot name that's my cat um <laughs> ex-cat poor poor hero is gone now mm. uh, anyway but anyway so, so hero limited one shot and what my intentions on that book is like um the old marvel two-in-one you know where it'd be the thing and you know spider-man the thing And so my intention on this was to do like one shot one shots of characters from different aspects of my comic book universe and my idea was to combine um you know either a new writer with an established artist or a new artist with an established writer. So like issue one features Basil from the Bovine League and it's this great artist named Alex Waller. And it's actually, it was his story idea. So he came up with the idea. I wrote the script and he he did the artwork. And I mean, it's really out there artwork. It's really cool. It's a, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird story involving a machine uh, getting addicted to LSD. So, Okay. so, (laughs) so, (laughs) okay, wait, what? Yeah, you have to read it. I That's, that's, okay. that's all yeah. I can say. I'm, uh, I'm going to have to read that one.
0: That, that's nuts. I love it. I love it. You know, when it comes to weird and wild ideas like something like a bovine league where, you know, you're taking something like, like cows and, and putting them into a superhero genre, did anybody buck and look at you like, what are you doing? You're, you're getting a little off here.
3: Well, of course they did. You know, I mean, you know, people think I'm crazy. You know, I go to conventions, and you know, when I, I'm at a convention, I'm telling people, I'm like, oh, so "This is this book, this is that book," and then I say my favorite, though, to write because it really is, is the Bovine League, and they just say, "What?" And I'm like, "Yes, yeah, genetically altered superpower cows from Switzerland," and people just die laughing, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I get, you know, you get a, you get a little bit of that, and I've had, you know, it's so funny. I've had some of my more, um, my more conservative friends uh, concerned about words like the four teats of matter. And I was like, well, that's what they're called. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, yeah. yeah okay. so, but other than that, other than that, no, I really, I haven't got a lot of pushback. I've got a lot of support, actually. Everyone really likes it, you know. I mean, I've got so much comparisons, like you know, to uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or you know, any of these, uh, you know, anthropomorphic characters. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, I can certainly see that it, it, it you know, this can fall into the pantheon of of great characters like that. You know, uh, you've got. Uh, a variety cast of characters in your book, um, all with their own thing, their own uh, mm-hmm. personalities, really. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely, I can see how it falls in, uh, that people can make those comparisons. I, and I, I, I just get, I just got such a kick out of the, out of just like the visual of effect of it. I'm like, it's like Avengers but cows.
3: <laughs> Wait a minute, no, it's like more than that. It's like way more than that. Right. You know? Well, it's so much fun to write, you know, because, you know, I can write cow puns, you know, for decades, you know, so, you know, so it really comes out really, it's a lot of fun to write. It's just, you know, so much adventure. And then, like, you know, and it's, you know, I'll admit, you know, some of it's a little, I won't say subversive, but, you know, my politics are definitely within the story. But, of course, I'm not hitting anyone over the head with it because that's not the kind of writer I am, you know. Um, But, of course, you know, I can't help it. I can't help it being my worldview is, you know. Uh, represented within the you know the context of the story
0: well you know that's one of the things we've talked about on this show in the past is that comic books should be a statement of of society you know and i i see so many like we we talked to a writer one time where the the intro email was like have you ever looked at comic books as a possible political statement? I'm like, uh, yeah, they always have been. Always have been, right, my entire <laughs> life. Yeah, right. Uh, so when it comes to something like this, what what is the process for you uh, getting this created uh, with your artist being in another country?
3: Well, okay, so for me, the way I work I mean, in general, like for writing even comic book scripts or screenplays, I write the exact same way. I have, I have, I have a notebook where... Like, I have a notebook, and it's it's completely freeform, so I don't, like, write, you know, I don't have a section where it's all just, you know, bovine league. It's, like, maybe there'll be, like, one note that says bovine league number four, and I have a note there, and it'll be, like, you know, Ome- Omega omega War's number two, and, you know, and I have a whole notebook like that. So I tend to write everything in a notebook to try to get my thoughts working that way, and then I write an outline, like, a basic outline of what I want to do. Um, maybe a two page or three page, or depending on how intricate the story is. And then I write the script, and I talk to Christian about it as I'm writing it. You know, what I'm saying, look, I want to do this, I want to do that. Do you think that's cool? And he's like, oh, exciting. Christian's a great artist because he 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 want, he'll do anything. You know. And I know it's a it's a it's a um it's a trope where writers say like, well, it's great writing comics because I can write an intergalactic battle, you know, with ten thousand ships, and the artist, you know, just stabbing you with a knife saying, you motherfucker. Oh, excuse <laughs> my language. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, so, it, so it's that. So, but no, he's a really great artist to work with. And um, the, the language, he, um, it's funny because he doesn't speak English very well. You know, he's from Argentina, but he commu- He, he writes. He can read English and uh, understands the written word very well. So I don't have. To, there's not a lot of, you know, miscommunication or whatever. Now when we speak, you know, face to face, it's a little different because he really he doesn't speak too much English. So and I don't speak Spanish. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that
0: it, it fascinates me that the the comic books community now is people are, are connecting across continents, yeah. across seas. I love this. You know, yeah. we talk to so many different people that are like, oh, you know, yeah, my my artist is in uh, Poland, my artist right. is in you know all over the place. And how did you guys uh, event uh, initially hook up together?
3: Well, so I um I've been you know so I've been doing comics a long time. So I was initially started I, my idea to start doing I was a uh, a little background to me, I was a cinematographer for most of my career. So I shot music videos, commercials, you know, all kind of stuff, um, you know, anything you can imagine. Um, but it was by the late 90s, I got kind of frustrated. I wasn't doing anything creative for myself. You know, I was doing, you know, it's just cinematography. You're doing creative stuff, but you're working for someone else and someone else's vision. And it was just like, well, look, I can't make films. I'm not rich, but I can do comics. So back then, um, you know, it wasn't no social media or whatever. I found a website called digitalwebbing.com. I believe it still exists. And it had artists on that on that website. And that's where I met all my initial artists was from that website. And I believe I met Christian on that website in the early 2000s, uh, 2002 or 2003. And he did some work for me on a book called Sisters of Power, which is um, in my anthology Force Galaxia um yeah so he did work on that and then when um i decided to do bovine league i was looking around at the artists i work with and i was looking at their styles you know some artists are just one of my better strengths i think as a creator i'm you know i'm a hack writer you know what i mean but but uh one of my art one of my strengths as a creator is finding the right artist for the right project and i think it comes from working in film and working because film such a collaborative thing so i can see you know who who's going to work well with what project and i knew christian would be perfect for this cow thing based on his artwork so um, you know, I approached him and he, he just he ran with it. He's like, Oh, this is fantastic, you know. Um so it's it's great working with him. He's just he's, like I said, he has the great a lot of ideas, you know, like I have character designs. you know, I can't draw very well myself, but I'll draw a character design and he'll just make it like real.
1: <laughs> right. That's awesome. So, that's one thing I wanted to ask about was the character design. Because I was thinking if you wrote it, how in the world did he interpret all those characters? Because, I mean, they're not the same. No. Well,
3: Don, what happened was um, I had a friend, uh, Shy Lurie. He works for uh, Titmouse actually now, um, the animation place. Um, But I've known him for for decades. And uh, when I first came up with the idea for the Bovine League, I uh, I actually um, 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 commissioned Shy to do the character designs. So I've had these character designs. Mm-hmm. We'd wait for years before I even, like Shy did an initial poster for me um, before I um, ever really did the book. I had this idea, you know, percolating in my head. So I was getting art, some artwork done, um, you know, of it. So really this guy, Shy Lurie, is the guy who did the initial character designs um, mm-hmm. for it. So, you know, then Christian could just pick up on that. And the guy, that's the great thing about Christian, um, um, he, uh, he can do his interpretation of the characters so well. So, for instance, a lot of the villains um, were um, designed by me and a friend of mine in England. So it's, it is international. Um, Gavin Ross, who's done work for me in the past, he's did a, he did a lot of different designs for me. And um, so then Christian runs with his designs and turns them to his own interpretation.
1: Yeah, because that's one thing when I saw him. Um, if you read mainstream superhero books, a lot of those characters, some of them are new, some of them have been around a long time. And they all, even if they update them, they always have a feel. And when I was looking at that, each cow kind of had a feel to um one of them looked like a sixties superhero. yeah, you know, and I was thinking that's i'm impressed and then when I was thinking, you're the writer, how did you convey this to an artist in Argentina you know different culture um it it well you know makes it it makes a difference
3: uh, you know uh working that way like for instance, a lot um I worked with an argent- uh, artist on my book of Megan chronicles from um uh, Venezuela. And I work with him in the old Marvel style, where I would just give him the plot, and you know, and he would he would actually do the artwork, and I would and then I would add the dialogue, you know, the old style Stanley, you know, um, Jack Kirby style. But with Christian, since he understands Amer- you know um, English so well written, I just write out just in, intense, detailed um, descriptions, you know, yeah. of everything that's going on. So like for instance, for the characters, for to get the to get the the um um personalities of the characters each character is like each character in the bovine League is really a different archetype. So, you know, um, like Geneva is the the leader, she's the um she's the mother figure, you know, uh St. Gallen is the warrior, you know, uh Macy Swiss is the innocent child, uh Yuri is the creator and so on and so on. So once you convey that to him, you know, that these characters, this is what their personalities are, and then with you know with uh, combined with my scripts and the dialogue, I think it allows him to understand you know where I want to go with each character
1: right yeah well he was very successful at it
3: <laughs> yeah no he's 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 fantastic I, I I I you know I really love working with him he's like, like I said he's one of my favorite artists to work with you know unfortunately you know like all of us that are creatives he has to have a regular job to you know supplement his creativity so it takes a while for him to actually do all the artwork you know it'd be great if you know if I hit that billion dollar lottery today and uh you know can then offer him you know ten thousand dollars a page or something just. To, you know, just to work on the bovine league. You know, isn't that
0: all of our dreams to be able to yes. do something like that? Be like, all right, I got a bunch of money. Which one of my friends can I
2: work with?
3: <laughs> right, it's so true. I mean, that's why I'm poor. You know, it's like everyone laughs at me. It's like you know, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm kind of an old guy, and it's like I have no savings. I have nothing. Everything, all my whole life's tied up in you know all these comics I've created over the last 25 years. You know, so, and that's fine with me. You know, I don't I. I get a thrill out of creating, you know, I get a thrill out of coming up with new ideas and expanding upon old ideas and just seeing yeah. different things come to life, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, I, um, I personally, I do a lot of uh, uh, D&D uh, adventure writing. OK. Uh, nothing professional. Don't get right, me wrong. Right. <laughs> but like I've got. A new group that just started and they're they're loving it and I'm, I'm like taking old ideas that i had and i'm like recycling them and i'm going okay here's some cool here's a cool new way to do this right <laughs> so, right you know it's being a creative person you have to find that outlet and right. you, you mentioned how you were doing cinematography for so long doing other people's creative stuff i was a graphic designer oh and when i changed careers i spent a few years just trudging along not not creating i'm right. back to creating now and it's just it's so much better for
3: me it really <laughs> yeah. is it really is i mean like my mental health you know when i'm doing you know i mean of course i have to work you know i'm, I'm wga so we're on strike right now and we can talk about that but you know i um because i'm i don't have any money i'm work, you know i'm delivering pizzas of pizza Hut right now for money you know that you know because it's just that's the that's the life of the creative person that's the life of an artist i mean now, I was thinking about it the other day. I was uh, my dad's passed away, but before he passed away, we were talking one day, and he had like four jobs his whole life. You know, he's uh, you know that that not, not quite baby boomer, but a pre baby boomer. You know, born in '42 or whatever. And he had four jobs his whole life. And I was like, Pop, I had four jobs by the time I was 19. You know, <laughs> you know. So I've you know I've had probably 43, 44, 45 jobs in my life. You know, doing just a variety of things. You know, yeah. which is good. Which you know, for me it helps with that to bring. I can bring all of that to my writing. You know. Yeah. I can bring all of that to it. Like I wrote a script um and unfortunately my manager and I were trying to get it get it done but then the studios just weren't interested because of uh, um someone else came up with the uh, the movie came out but it was a script about um, one of those karens, you know. Um and like I think that there was a movie that came out called Karen. I think it was like more like a terrible neighbor next door thing. But mine was more like this psychological interpretation of these people, you know, these these characters, but you know, it it's hard to get stuff like that sold in Hollywood today. You know, it's 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 really difficult you know, to get those personal little stories sold. Yeah.
0: Well, I, you know, and that's one of the beauties of Kickstarter. It's you know, there's so many creative people out there that do awesome work. Oh, and I know. Kickstarter gives you this amazing
3: audience across the world. Well, that's just that, you know, it's like I'm so that I love Kickstarter, just like I love you know, a lot of these creative sites. Is because i'm seeing stuff that you know you would never see i mean i remember uh francis Coppola said back in the late 80s i remember when digital technology was you know just starting to show up um he said look the next great filmmaker is going to be a 12 year old girl with you know, pimples from you know idaho or wherever mm-hmm. you know and 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 i love that you know what i mean i i love the fact that that is the possibility is that is there you know especially like indie comics you know i'm such a i'm such a um a um a, a proselytizer for indie comics you know, i such i because it, they're so new and so cool and so different. There's so many new stories, and a lot of them are, you know, derivative of stuff, which is fine. You're gonna get that, but a lot of them are, you know, you see stuff where you're like, well, that's, you know, that's Spider-Man, but what an interesting take he's, you know, that person's putting on Spider-Man, you know, yeah. as a, as this character, or whatever. And I, and I think that's, you know, it's like, it's like one of those things. Like I talk to to classes about like being creative or, you know, making films, and one of the things I try to stress to people, it's something I wish I would learn when I was younger, is that. When you're being creative, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know what I mean? Like you, you, what you have to do, tell, tell, it, find an interest, find an interest, tell a story, but find it an interesting new way to tell it. So you can tell the story of, you know, girl meets girl, girl loses girl, girl gets girl, right? You can tell that simple story, but that could be a western, that could be a drama, that could be a sci-fi. So the story could be the same. You know, like I try to tell them, you know, you, you have to differentiate between story and plot, right? The story is, you know, the story is what 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 it what the with your story is about, what your uh, film you know theater is about. The plot is what happens, right? So you know, like you take for instance like Hamlet. So Hamlet's about a guy who can't make up his mind. That's the story, right? This guy yeah. can't make up his mind. But the plot is the same guy thinks his uncle killed his father, right? So you if, if you understand both those elements, I think I think it really works when you're trying to tell a tell a complete story. I think so many people get wrapped up when you ask them what their story is about, they get wrapped up telling you their plot. And, you yeah. know and and you're just like well that's great and all but you know what is the essence of your story you know what are what are you trying to tell me
1: hmm. yeah
3: yeah that's a great point
1: i never thought of that i never thought of that um we've had writers on the show before and that's what i'm surprised about when they it doesn't matter what kind of a book they're doing they have a well, like you just mentioned, the way to, to approach it—you know, depression, you know, anxiety—certain things that they either deal with or they see. But I never thought about what you said. That's um, that's really interesting.
3: Yeah, well, it's funny. I, di- I didn't come up with it. I'm not that smart. It was uh, It was actually, I got the idea of reading Stephen Sondheim, you know, um, a biography of his. And he was the one that talked about story versus plot. And uh, I mean, I read this you know, years ago and something that stuck with me. And something I try to convey to people all the time, because I think it's very important to understand that, you know, because sometimes, you know, when you're watching a movie, sometimes, you know, you're just, you get bogged down in some really intricate plot. And you're like, well, what the hell is this story about? You know, what, you know, what are we, what are, what's going on here? What are they trying to say? You know, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, and I think and I think that's how people. I don't I don't know if it's something conscious people understand, but I think it's something that subconsciously works on them, and they go like, oh, well, this isn't right, you know. Yeah. And that's no, not, no, I'm not saying that there's not a place for like character driven stuff. I mean, one of my one of my I write plot driven stories, you know, all mm-hmm. of my comics, my scripts are plot driven. They're not really characters, you know, driven stories. There's 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 action happens. I'm you know I'm not um you know I'm not uh, Terrence Malick, you know, I'm not making these gorgeous films that are you know uh, esoteric but i understand that there's a place for them you know and that's in that in that and that's an art form you know yeah
0: right. uh i want to ask you about uh you you mentioned Omegan chronicles you said this is was this was something else that you've been working on for twenty years?
3: Yes. So Megan Chronicles is something so Megan Chronicles features a character called Francisco the Supergreen. Now, I know he has a funny name, but that's because he was the character I came up with when I was nine years old, the Super Green, back in the seventies. That was my car- my version of Superboy, you know. I grew well, back in a little bit, I grew up I was the only black kid in my elementary school. So I wrote these stories, you know, about these strong black superheroes as a little kid. So, you know, I'd written this character my whole life from when I was a kid or whatever, Supergreen, you know, I had all these other characters, you know, just like a lot of, uh, you know, comic book creatives did in their lives. Um, but when I came to, when I decided I was going to do change my life from a DP to a writer, I, um, you know, in the late 90s, I was like, well, what can I tell? And it's like, well, I always want to do, I love comics, you know, I'm, I'm a, com- before I even thought I could write, I couldn't think, think of myself as a screenwriter then. You know, I was like, I love comics. So I was like, what comics can I tell? Well, I've always loved my character, Francisco to Supergreen. So, I wrote about him so basically omegan chronicles was the first story i ever wrote um, as a comic book writer and, it, uh, and i originally wanted it to be a long graphic novel but um financially my, i was married at the time my ex-wife was giving me a hard time about spending money paying artists so um i i i um i put it on hold and then once i was divorced i could go ahead and spend money the way i wanted um so uh um uh you know i started producing omegan chronicles and i put it i have a book called force galaxia which was the first book i ever did and Force Galaxy is a, um, an anthology that features a book called uh, Supergreen 14, which features Francisco the Supergreen when he's 14 years old and his adventures on Empire City Earth in Cameroon. Um, there's Sisters of Power about um, all women's uh, team on Earth's rebellious moon. Um, and, th- and then there's uh, Omega Chronicles, which is about Francisco the Supergreen as an adult uh, trying to find the missing king from this planet Omega. So I did the first two issues of, Ome- of Force of Force Galaxy and serialized Omega and Chronicles in there. Um, but I've been getting artwork done as I was getting ready to do Force Galaxy 3. I decided to pull that out and I decided, look, I'm just going to release the entire thing as a graphic novel one day. And um, so that's what I did. I've been working on that for the last few years, you know, to get that done. And, um, you know, um, I spent many years working at the Game Show Network, so I had a pretty good job for a little while. So I was able to finance a you know, little comics my, of my own. Um, then back then, but I'm poor now, so
1: hey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: You, know, uh, you mentioned being a WGA member, and of course, if anybody's paying any any <laughs> attention at all, we all know that you guys are on strike right now. Right. A lot of people don't seem to understand why, though. Can you give our listeners just a, yeah a, an understanding of what's happening?
3: Look, there's you know there's ten thousand members. Okay. Let me give some so numbers. So just based on numbers. Please. So basically the WGA, we wanted we went to the we went to MPT, AMPT, AMPT, and went and asked them for $486 million, basically. That's what the numbers added up to about all the things we wanted. I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, it's like we just wanted basic protections, you know, from like from like AI, that AI can't be used to, you know, originate yeah. originate and you know, originate a plan. We're not saying you can't use AI. You know, no, we're not even saying that. We're saying you can't use it to originate an idea. You know and and these kind of things you know so we've just there's just basic things like that but a lot of it comes down to money you know and the, and, the, and the studios don't they don't want to pay us i don't know if you saw the quote that came from um one of the studio heads last week when the producers who said like oh we'll just starve them out we'll let them lose their homes and apartments yeah you know so that's that's where we're dealing with so they you know when we asked for 486 million they came back with 86 million now Literally, Apple by itself in the nine week or 11 weeks since the strike started has lost more than 486 million themselves because really? of the strike. You know, so it, it's one of these things where it's, it's such a principle thing. So now, within like, look, I mean, there are 10,000 members of the WGA West. There's only like 8% of us are working at any time. You know, so yeah. there's a lot of people out here that are not even out here. People live all over the country. There's WGA East. You know, there are people in Peoria. There's you know writers everywhere in this country that you know have due projects. You know, um, that that are not working. You know, and, and another thing they want to do for television. You know, I I came to the WGA through film. I wrote a script called Reparations um, with a with a partner of mine, Jeff Howard. And, I, you know, I got a WGA that way through film. But the, I haven't been in the television room yet. But one of the problems with the television is, um, you know, writer's rooms used to be pretty big. You'd have, you know, six, seven, eight people in the writer's room all working together to compile these stories. And now they're shrunken down to two or three people, you know. And they're, basically they're trying to turn writers into gig workers. You know, mm-hmm. where you, come, you have an idea. We get your idea. You're, you're through. You're not part of this anymore. You know, we're just going to run with it this way. And, and it's, it, it's, once again, it's greed. You know, it's yeah. the greed of the studios. You know, these guys are sitting around. I mean, friggin', uh, you know, Iger makes $74,000 a day. The average, the average actor makes $70,000 a year. We're talking actors, you know, the writers make less than that. I think it's like $63,000 a year, you know, and yeah. that may sound like a lot if you live in, you know, Kansas or you live in Missouri, but if you're living, a, you know, in LA or New York, you, you can't live on that. You know, right. there's no way you can afford to live on that. I mean, that's one of the reasons I've been like, I'm, I've been, I was priced out of Los Angeles. So I've moved around in the last, like, since the pandemic, I've been moving around to different places, living with the kindness of friends, because my rent was $1,800 for one bedroom. They raised it to $2,300, and it's just like, there's no way I could afford that. You know, I just, I just, I just don't make that kind of money. You know, I, I don't, yeah. uh, you know, even on my best year, I can't really afford that kind of, that kind of rent. So, yeah. you know, they're pricing people out. So one of the things is, you know, we need to be fairly compensated. You know, these guys are making. They're, they're paying themselves just millions and millions and millions of dollars, and then claiming poor. You know, yeah. and, that, and you know, I don't know if you saw Fran Drescher's impassioned speech, but she's absolutely right. You know, they, they're trying to—they're trying to break us. They're trying to—you know—they're trying to—they're trying to say like, look, you guys can't stand up to us, and we are though. That's the thing about it, you know. And I don't know if you saw the Teamsters are talking about striking at UPS. And now if they go yes. on strike, I mean, there's there's only look, there's ten thousand writers, 160,000 know, 160, actors, there's what three hundred fifty thousand, you know, UPS Teamsters. So, I mean, and that's going to, you know, so these people that, you know, they've got to share in the wealth. I mean, you know, that's that's the thing about yeah. it. I think I think I think for too long we've seen a disparity of income and, and not and no one standing up to them. And, uh, and, you know, I'm proud to be part of the WGA who's part of the standing up to these guys.
1: Well said. And you Thanks. are correct. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, basically, it's going to come down to this. Uh, you can either support
3: WGA and the strike or you're wrong. Right. Well, I mean, that's you know, that's one of the things I was. uh, Someone asked me like, what can people who aren't part of the WGA or aren't part of the the um, you know, normal people? What can normal citizens do to support us? I was like, support us. Don't be on social media complaining about rich writers and actors and spoiled this and that and other thing. You know what I mean? Support us. Understand that we're trying to we're stand. If they replace us with some of this stuff, they're coming for you next. I hate to be that alarmist and say those kind of things, but you know. To be honest with you, I don't know if there was, a, there was this thing going around the internet I saw where someone had asked ChatGPT, you know, what would be easier to replace a CEO or a writer? And ChatGPT was like, oh, CEO, I can do, you know, I can write, the, yep. I can do the CEO's job easy because it's all about analyzing trends and all that kind of stuff. And that's what that, I mean, that's the thing, you know, what AI is great about for that kind of stuff. You know, it's great about for writing, you know, SEO stuff and, um, you know, PR and marketing, you know, it's going to hurt those industries, I think, but it's perfect for that kind of, that kind of writing.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it, you know, when when it comes to something like, and and I'm, I'm I'm gonna say it, and I don't mean to offend anybody who happens to be in this kind of industry, accountants, accountants yeah. can be replaced by things like AI because
3: right. number crunching. Right. You know. Uh, well, no, I mean, I, and you know, people complain about it, but look, every look, and and I'm part of, I'm a writer, but I'm gonna say this: every every new technology disrupts industry. Yes. You know what I mean when it comes about. And and we and the thing about a lot of my artist friends were upset about it, you know, when when AI first showed up. And I kept saying like, wait, you know, when you'll get paid is when when it starts making money, and the lawyers get involved. Yeah. That's when that's when things change. And like that, you know, that's why the that's why our union is standing up, you know, because yeah. that that's what we have to do, you know. But th- that's when things change. When money when it starts making money, you know how the you know how the capitalist system works. When it starts making money, that's when the lawyers get involved, and that's when it's like. You may only get zero point like you know like like the poor musicians. You may get zero point zero zero three three cents you know yeah. for every stream. Right? Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. For, from a graphic des- From a retired graphic designer who
0: worked for musicians, trust me, they make no money. Right. I make no money. <laughs>
3: right. No, th- there's look, and I mean that's just it. I mean, we who've worked in the creative industry understand that there's you know people think that. People think, like, look, like for instance, people think Hollywood's this big liberal place, you know, with all these, you know, crazy libertine people. And it's like, yeah, some of, you know, a lot of the creative people are. It's just that's just by nature they are. But the town isn't. The town's very conservative. The town's very about money. You know, the town's very about making money and holding on to money and wealth. And yeah. I mean, you know, the income disparity in LA is is outrageous. You know, I mean, I just wrote, drove down. I met him, one of my old professors from college came to town and a bunch of us met with him. And I drove down this area in a Burbank called Forest Lawn Drive that goes along the cemetery there. And the last time I was there, it was completely empty. Now there must be 300 RVs lined up there, you know, because there's, that's all people can afford to live. You know, it's like I was talking to a homeless man in Hollywood one day, and he had a whole setup. He had a little couch and he had a, you know, little, um, little, arra- um, 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 um uh, 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 radiator for heat, you know, had his little thing, every, everything really nice there. And I was like, hey man, you know, you got all this nice stuff. What's going on? He's like, well, I have a job. I was like, oh really? And he said, yeah, but the problem is he can't afford to get rent in LA to pay a first month, second, you know, last month, and yeah. he can't. He just can't make enough money to do that to afford a place in LA. And that's one of the problems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's it's everywhere too. Um, yeah. you know, uh, we're getting way off topic here for a second. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sorry. Sorry. No, man. we're good. We're good. Uh, we're from Florida. Okay. And. I have friends that saw their rent jump from six hundred a month for a small five hundred square foot apartment to eighteen hundred dollars a month. It, it, like these are people in the hospitality industry, bartenders,
3: bartenders. Right. They can't afford that. They can't afford this, you know. No, I don't, I don't I don't understand what they what I don't understand what landlords are expecting of us. You know. Yeah. Um, I really don't. You know, I don't understand what they think we could you know, how we're gonna keep coming up with this money. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I don't either. I don't either. All right, let's get back to a fun topic. Let's just yes, yes, sorry
2: let's talk. No, top. You're yeah. doing good. <laughs> uh,
0: thank you for that. I really appreciate you. You know, you, you can hear the passion in what you're talking about yeah. with that. And that's that's really what I wanted everybody to hear. Uh, what what brought you into comic books? Were you always a comic book
3: reader as a kid? Yeah, so, you know, as a kid, uh, you know, I'm old, so um, as in the early 70s, I read, you know, of course, newspaper comics and, you know, those kind of things, you know, Peanuts and that stuff, and I started reading, collect. Um, I used to read the old Family Circus, you know, the little circle, circular comic mm. with the family, it's really like, corny jokes, but um, what really under- what made me understand, like, you know, chronology and that kind of stuff was I got one of those uh, co- um, uh, collections of the Family Circus as a child, and it would be the whole, it was the whole year, you know, there are new, and when you're reading it, you can see that there's stuff that happens, you know, it's a progress. So I remember reading that and I really liked this. And then I started reading like Richie Rich and that stuff. But the first superhero comic I ever bought was uh, Superboy and the Legion. I believe it was number 216. And it had, um, it had this character Tyrock, who's a black character, you know. Yes. And subsequently I talked to Mike Grell who designed him. And he's like, oh, I just designed because I thought it was ridiculous that his power was that he could scream really loud, you know. But um he but he, but on the cover, you know, he's he's pat, pumping his fist at Superboy and these kids, these other these I didn't know what the Legion superhero was but these other superheroes, and he's saying something like, you know, Superboy, I don't want you on my land, you know, and I was like, wow, you know there's this black character standing up for Superboy so I remember buying that comic, and that's why to this day, the Legion is my favorite I'm wearing a Legion shirt the Legion is my, the Legion is my favorite comic you know, of all time, so okay. it all started with that, so that's how I started reading comics, was literally
1: from that okay, let's flip, let's point this out. I just met you, okay? We've never talked before. You and I are best friends as ah. of point right now. I, um, the Legion was always my favorite. I read old reprints when I was small. I think you and I are about the same age. Yes. And um, the first time I ever read them, well, my dad read it to me. We were at Laundromat in Lawton, Oklahoma when I was four. Wow. And I was sitting in his lap. Somebody, you know, comic books used to be left everywhere right yeah i remember that and it was an old i guess an adventure comic or action comic but it was a story where they were in that that prison that prison planet i
3: remember that that story yeah that's an adventure comic i believe
1: yeah he read that to me and i was wondering why all these superhero teenagers were trapped on the prison planet one of them dad kept referring to as the eater which was matter eater lad right anyway um I started, you know, getting comics, saving comics when I was nine. And I started reading. And the Legion, they used to put them in backups. Of it. Uh, Supergirl had adventure comics, and Superboy had his own title. And they put the, the reprints in those. I absolutely loved them. And yep. then when Dave Cochran started doing the Legion stuff, oh. which is my favorite comics in the world. But after Mike Grell came on, there's a big thing about Tyra tyrock because um they were announcing there was going to be a black legionnaire which strange as it was there everybody was white basically in right. comic books well it made sense and by this time you, we went through busing you know we went through a lot of things right. and uh, so i grew up i didn't really understand what the big deal was why weren't there well you know there was black panther there were some great characters right but they weren't the legion and one young man wrote in one of the comics about uh, it was in the letters page and he was talking about you know there's going to be a black legionnaire. you could tell the young man was a black man and he was Mm -hmm. explaining about it's about time and then he was giving his thoughts and insights on it and he was explaining about um usually black superheroes were strong right and they had chains oh and he yeah. said, I understand it's a heritage that we're known as being strong, which is a good thing. And he says, you know, in chains, I understand. He says, but I think it's time to move past that. And, you know, it's not just what they are. He was also explaining about the hair, you know, but the hair was important. And, uh, he right. was talking about an afro, but not not too much. So when Tyrock came out and that, that white Elvis Presley with Robin shoes and, you know, Right. And the screaming powers. I don't know. Right. I was thinking, well, that's what he wanted. I love Tyrock. I didn't like the I fact. Did I did,
3: too.
1: I did, too. I
3: said it wasn't until I talked to Mike Grell that I understood how Mike Grell was, didn't like making, like, he wanted to do a black superhero, but it wasn't that character he wanted to do, you know.
1: Yeah, well, and he drew him. I mean, Mike Grell was really good at making him look like a black man. A right. good-looking black man instead of a white character colored black. Yeah, Exactly. No, I didn't like the script that the black people were segregated to their own island and was yeah, that was whatever. yeah, that's. But I never thought about the screaming and all the other stuff. I didn't think you know my girl said Ty Rock is just two steps away from Tyrone. Well, I never thought that. I I thought he was awesome. <laughs> I
3: well, I did too. I did too. Like I said, you know, it was his appearance on that cover was what inspired me to you know to start reading comics. You know, like. Because, you know, as a kid, I remember seeing Black Panther as a kid, and because most of the characters were white, I didn't think Black Panther was black when I'd see him. I just thought it was a white guy in a black a black suit, oh. you know what I mean? I didn't see, because he had a full mask. And since I didn't read his adventures, I didn't know anything about him, you know? So, it was one of those things.
1: I got you, and it makes sense, too. But, but Tyrone, we agree, Tyrone, Ty, Tyrock, Tyrone. we agree, was a great, great character. And... Why he wasn't prominently in the Legion all the time, I don't know. But nevertheless, I loved him. You do, too. You and I are friends from this point on.
3: (laughs) Right on. Right on, Don. I really appreciate it.
1: (laughs) All right. Moving right along.
3: Right.
0: (laughs) So when it it comes to setting up Kickstarters and stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of – what kind of incentives does some of the people have to look forward to for the Bovine League Number Two?
3: Okay, so so the Bovine League tier, the, the, we have many tiers that you can uh, you know get rewards from. So I believe at the I think at the five dollar tier is a thank you and um and a copy of Bovine League um a, a digital copy of Bovine League Number Two, and then um at ten dollars I believe it's um you know the previous ones plus the uh, plus uh, uh, digital versions of all, all the other Bovine League comics, the other two. At $15, it's every Hero Unlimited comic um, that I have. So it would be 10 comics plus five. We're calling it Friends of Hero Unlimited. So five additional independent comics. So it'll be 15 comics um, digitally for $15. And then at $25, you get the the 15 comics plus you get the physical copy of Bovine League number two. And at $40, you call it the the catch up tier where you can get um, Bovine League number zero, Bovine League number one. Bovine League number two, and uh, Hero Unlimited one shot, Basel number one. So you get all of those plus the 15 PDFs of 40. And then we jump to $100 where you get all of those plus the new Omegan Chronicles graphic novel. Um, and then yep. it jumps to $200 where you get physical copies of all of Hero Unlimited's books. So um, the three 64 page uh, Force Galaxia books plus the other seven books in Force Galaxia physical copies, the graphic novel, Um, and all and everything else and oh and also a spiral notebook with uh, a bovine on the cover and then at $500 we have two special things we have um, one of my friends uh, a filmmaker named by the name of Daryl Wharton Rigby he's um, a great filmmaker from Baltimore he does uh, he lives in Japan so he does a lot of like uh, um, American films in Japan sort of interesting stuff he does but um for $500 you get a one-hour zoom session with him to learn the ins and outs of, you know, indie filmmaking, um, and uh, you know how to how to do that if you like. And also at the $500 Zoom, um, a friend of mine, Russell Farmarco, who's um, a longtime sound designer and sound editor um, in the film industry. He's worked on literally 250 different films. You know, from you know, worked with every director from Werner Herzog to you know, I, I can name the number of directors he's worked with. So he'll take you on an ins, in, ins and outs. What it really is about, you know, how, why they make, you know, sound decisions and how we're doing ADR with actors and let you understand that perspective of, you know, filmmaking. So, all of those things are, you know, the the tiers. Plus, we'll have, if we make our uh, minimum, uh, we'll have uh, stretch goals. Uh, We'll have new art by an artist man by Julian Herring. And then um, one of the great artists that everyone loves that works on the Bovine League that does artwork for us sometimes is a woman by the name of Ellen Natalie. And she does a lot of great anthropomorphic characters. So, We'll have a lot of uh, tiers and rewards if we get to the, you know, we get to the um, minimum.
0: So I just want to say this. So for five bucks, you're doing the digital copy?
3: Five just, bucks, you get the digital five copy. Bucks. Five bucks. Just for five bucks, you get the digital copy of Bowman League number two. Like, that's just, typi- that's typically like the support this without getting anything from it
0: We, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. level. Yeah, but you're like, hey, for five bucks, I'm not um, I'm not just going to say thanks. I'm going to say here's right. a digital copy, here's too. A little digital yeah. copy, yeah. That's, know, so so, that's
3: awesome. Well, what I'm hoping, you know, what I'm hoping is that, um, because you know, I, I'd like the forty dollar tier to be the one that people go to, they do the catch up, so people that haven't read before will read all of the books and understand what's going on. You know, I mean, I like, you know, of course, I got i I've got a group of fans that that tend to support all my books. Shout out to Michelle Janey Foyles, who supports every book I do. She's one of the first people to go, you know, to buy goes to Kickstarter. I'm gonna make a special tier for her one day. So, <laughs> shout out to you, Michelle. Thanks that's awesome them. that's awesome i love it
1: all is, right so well is there is there a place you have where people can buy your older work as well
3: yeah yeah don you can go to um hero so it's h-i-r-o unlimited.com so hero all of my books are there you can get everything there the uh i mean it's a little more expensive because there's shipping and handling involved you know um um you know more than the kickstarter but you you know definitely go to my website. You can find all that stuff there. Um, let's see what I got there. I've got the Force Galaxia books. I've got the Sisters of Power book, which is a really fun book. Um, I've worked with a writer by the name of John Crosby on that. I've got, um, I've got uh, oh, Milky Way Defense Marines, which is my, uh, I wanted to do like a Sergeant Rock uh, book. Okay. You know, that was my idea. So I had this woman by the name of Melody Stone, and she's the leader of the Milky Way Defense Marines. So it's just, you know, my little homage to that little, little so. sergeant rock
0: style man I, that that was my dad's book he ah. loved that book and i found uh they 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 redid it gosh what mm, uh 15 20 years ago i think so yeah i and i got it for him and he was just like oh this, oh, this <laughs> is awesome where did you how did you find an original copy i'm like no 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 dad dad that that that's new that's new. right <laughs> I'm, yeah, like, that's great though. I'm not hunting down an original copy of Sergeant Rock. Sergeant Rock again for you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously websites the best place to be able to go and, and purchase books. Um where else uh would you like to direct everybody on the internet?
3: well you can go to uh you can uh you can find me on social media um at redskew so at a r d s k e w on most social media the new threads and my um uh instagram is um red underscore skew so you can find me un- as red skew at redskew uh throughout social media anywhere um like i said my website's probably the best place you can go to i um i hope that you guys will link the uh my kickstarter uh page on on your page 100%. so that'll be there um other than that, yeah, that's about it. I um, we I used to have a like um during the pandemic. I can say one other thing uh, that that we were doing was interesting. So uh, a bunch of my friends and I got together and we decided to do a, um, a distribution company for black indie comics. So we were running that for a while. We we're trying to get that back up and running, but we had about 80 books on the site at one point before it just wasn't making enough money for us to to justify keeping it going. We weren't getting enough stores involved, but we we're pro- trying to bring it back. Because there's, you know, there's so many com you know, there's so many indie comics out there. You know, there's so many great books out there. And I really think that there's got to be a way to get them out. I mean, before the, before the strike happened, I've, you know, I, because I've been in Hollywood so long, I have some pretty good connections at different studios. And one of them is Universal. So I've been taking, like, just every one of my friend's books over there, you know, trying to show them stuff. Like, I took one of my friend's books, the sci-fi, Universal. And the guy loved it, but he's just like, they're not doing, it was too big for them. Like, sci-fi says, like, they, you know, they were do, they tried to do, like, a Guardians of the Galaxy type, you know, big story, and it just wasn't, you know, financially worth it. So, they, they what his idea said, they want to move back to more um, net, um, 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 uh, X-Files style, you know, mm-hmm. science fiction. So, you know, a little less flashy budgets and whatnot. So, I've been trying to do that. But, yeah, so I try, you know, I try to act like as a mini producer and get you know, get my friends turned on. You know, I have no ego involved, you know what I mean? I have nothing, in, I, I don't. It'd be great. I, I don't care if any of my friends make. You know, it, all, it helps us all out. You know, that's the thing I love. Of, that's the thing about the indie world. You know, like so many of my friends have done things. Like, um, Sebastian Jones with Stranger Comics. I, you know, I, I originally did Comic Con with him back in the early, uh, back in the 2008, 2009. Now his book is, you know, his his comedy exploded. I think he's got an HBO deal. You know, so you know, people are doing a lot of things that that's really exciting.
0: That's awesome.
3: I love that. I I love the idea
0: of the publishing company, too, because black writers and artists do not get enough visibility out there. And anything we can do to help with that when you when you kick that off again, please let us know. Thanks. I'll reach out. I'll reach out to you.
3: Yeah. I mean, it was really good, you know, because it was like we had so many we were able to find so many different, you know, people that had because there were so many different books. You know, it wasn't just straight superhero or this or that. It's like, a, like you said, it's, it's it's stories that aren't in the mainstream, you know, yeah. and and it's stuff that just doesn't get out there. And that's you know, it's one of the things I try to say that I was saying this earlier, but one of my friends was saying, you know, I try I try to read and watch things that I may not be that quote or quote unquote for me. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I know a lot of people don't. You know, and I think it's a shame. You know what I mean? So, you know, like, like for instance, I watched that, like the um, the show Pose that was on about about the uh about the yeah. ballroom dancers. I didn't know anything about it, and I didn't know anything about that culture, you know, and that community. But watching that show, I learned so much. You know, so it was that, and I think that's what's great about about art. You know, it's it's there for you. You know, either learn about something you didn't know or learn about something you do know. But you know, yeah. it's there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that that's one of the, I think the the great things about comic books is. Like you said, quote unquote, it's not for you, but it, it introduces you to something that you've never experienced. Right. It, yeah. You can, you can, you might find your people by being involved and and reading something that is quote unquote not for you. Right. You can find your people
3: this way. Right. You know? Yeah, well, that's the thing about, it. you know, I, I, ch- I try to be as open-minded as I can about, you know, people's artwork, you know what I mean, be it film or television. You know, I'm not one of these people, you know, maybe because I've worked in the creative field for so long, you know, I just don't, I just don't bash people's artwork and say it's trash or it's this or yeah. it's that, you know, because I know what goes into making it. I may not like it. It may not be for me. It may not be very good, but I'm not going to just disparage people's, you know, their, yeah. their art.
0: One of Don's favorite things to say is they got that work done. They got the work
2: yeah.
3: done.
0: They 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 had the idea, they had the passion to make it happen and they got the work done.
3: Right. Because it's not easy. No, I'm, no, you know, it's not easy. You know, people ask me about making comics. I was like, look, you know, it's a sacrifice. You know what I mean? I like I haven't been on vacation in years, you know, because every spare penny I have goes into making comics, which is yep. fine with me. That's what I want to do. You know, that's what I love to do. You know, and that's because if I didn't do it, what I, like I say to people, I'm like, what else would I be doing? You know, yeah. I'll I be writing scripts and not selling them like I've been doing anyway you know what I mean so at least when I write a comic there's a there's a an end to it
0: you know yeah yeah absolutely well um somebody we've had on the show a couple times uh, Anthony Stokes he hes he straight up told us right right in, right in his interview he goes I want to be a screenwriter I, I, right. I would prefer to be a screenwriter he goes but I don't have uh, but I can do comics. Right. I can make comics and I can produce comics. And he's an absolutely fantastic writer. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I've uh, seen his
3: stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. You're familiar with him. Yeah. yeah. I love I love him, man. He's yeah, awesome. He's, yeah. But yeah. no, I no, he's right. You know, that's I mean, I never I never particularly really thought I was gonna be a screenwriter 'cause I, you know, I never thought I was that I like I said, I never thought I I, I could write that well. But once I started writing and learning the you know, so much of screenwriting is technique. You yeah. know. And once you learn the technique, once you learn the patterns, once you learn the formula, you know, it, it makes it much easier. You know what I mean? I mean, like there's like like there's certain things you have to know, like um, like like you never throw away an idea. Right. You know what I mean? So because you never know where it's going to where it's going to come back and ho- work with you. And the one thing I learned about like screenwriting, and I guess it works for any writing drama, you know, novels or comics. But I know for screenwriting, you always want to end with a bittersweet ending. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, like Indiana Jones, you know, Indy, he gets the, he gets the grail, but they lock it away in a giant warehouse full of things. So he yep. doesn't really, you know, yep. get, doesn't get, he gets what he wants. And, and what I think about most characters, uh, sorry, I'm rolling on about writing. Oh, you, nice. One of the You've things, I, one of the things I like to talk about most characters, like they they learn what they're what by the end, there should be one of two things your late character happens. They either gain confidence or they learn to care. Yeah. And, and those are the two things that, if you watch – if you if you start watching you know, movies through that perspective, reading comics even through that perspective, you'll see that happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, writing D&D campaigns, that that was one of the main goals of, uh, of a six-year campaign that I actually did. Wow. At, yeah, six years. <laughs> it took me six years to get to the ending. But at the very end, this character that they have traveled with and worked with – found the one human being in the world that he could love right and then, lo- then loses him right and so it's like he learned how to
3: care and then there's this tragic ending but right because that's because that's the way life is right life doesn't you know life doesn't usually end on this you know up moment all the time you know there's yeah. always some there's always something like ah, to yep it. yep absolutely but
0: we're gonna we're gonna end this with you now on an up note. Thank you again so much for coming. Great, thanks up. for having
3: me. You guys have been a great interview, both you and Don. You know, I've really appreciated it. You guys asked us great questions, and it was very conversational, so it felt very comfortable to talk to you. Thank
1: All right, you. hey, appreciate you're welcome down. anytime, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. I'd
3: love to come. I'd love to come back and you know talk to you about future projects if I have any, and uh you know, and I uh, you know I really appreciate you know your audience for listening to me run run my mouth for so long.
1: Well, they hear us do it all the time. This is a show with no direction. So everything you do is fine. You're always welcome. Just let us know when, and you're on the show. Great. Thanks, guys. Not a problem. All right. Everybody listening, we have T-shirts. It's on the sidebar of the blog. It's not to make us rich. It's just to help us pay the hosting fees that come up every year. Uh, If you like to draw, we always use fake comic book covers for the Facebook page and the Facebook group. Uh, We can't pay you for it because we're totally broke, but it's yours. And if you allow us to, we'll add it to the cover gallery of the blog. A lot of people really enjoy these. Rook? Make sure
0: you go check out bunchofdorks.com. Click on that Cyclops. You'll find everything we talked about, links to all these good things, all these comics, everything. But until next time, everybody. Read. More. comics.
2: You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click, click on, on the Cyclops.
3: Your dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.